I screenshot an annoyingly perfect photo of a family grinning like Cheshire cats in front of their immaculate home and send it to my best friend. Gross, I type. Her life cannot possibly be like that for real. Two perfect kids, an enormous house, and a husband who is absolutely crazy about all of them, fawning over her every move. Every minute is a picture-perfect memory where they're so blissfully in love and grateful, I'm almost shocked that it doesn't create a sudden cloudburst of kittens and feathers and glitter and star stickers. Is it my imagination or does he just keep getting hotter? That's unacceptable. One day one of those kids is going to cover her coach bag in nail polish or shit on the floor while she's making an Instagram video. Also, who has time to make that many Instagram videos? Jealousy is ugly, but we all indulge in it. I screenshot a picture of a perfectly appointed woman in matching workout gear grinning into the camera and send it to my best friend. I type, no one makes hundreds of thousands of dollars off a multi-level marketing scan, and yet there she is, in a full face at 5 a.m., smiling away, being a, quote, boss bitch, and telling me, quote, I can have it all if I manifest it. Oh, come on. Some people are just designed to make me feel inferior, and this one just happens to live two doors down. What a time to be alive. I snap a picture of my neighbor's large and well-appointed house crawling with police cars, her husband pacing like a cat about to pounce at the end of the driveway. I send it to my best friend. I type, holy shit, this can't be good. I wander outside realizing that I haven't seen a vivid display of her extraordinary life on social media in days. I haven't seen her leave the house to run an errand or go for a jog in her millennial pink Fabletics matching gear. Haven't heard her children's high-pitched giggles. The silence did not make its way into my ordinary life, and yet all of the things she had put out into the world this was the most telling. I screenshot an article someone has shared from the local news. The woman, my perfect neighbor, and her two beautiful children are dead. I send it to my best friend and type, this is awful. I never wanted to be right. And I didn't. As it turned out, the moments she documented were merely dots connected by threads woven in struggle, struggle that sometimes she couldn't even see herself. It wasn't a stranger who came in and killed her as she slept. It wasn't a friend blind with rage or a neighbor who had snapped. It was someone much closer. Sometimes the monster isn't under your bed. He's sleeping right beside you. I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we would be dead. and happy thanksgiving because that's that's in two days after this this part yeah (laughs) hope you're all planning a safe and distant celebration this week i know it's hard to forgo big family get-togethers this time of year but it's getting bad out there and we want you all to weather this storm with us so that when it's finally all over we can get together in person oh that's nice right like a little (laughs) hope yes (laughs) I hope our patrons enjoyed their live campfire stories on Monday. Those nights are always fun. 
Our holiday merch comes out this week. Yes. It might already be out by the time you listen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Some of it is on my table and it's so cool I can't even handle it. I know. <laughs> so keep your eye out for that. It truly is like I'm not even just saying it because it's ours. It is the coolest. I know. I would I would have bought this. <laughs> I would have bought it in a second. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. You will be the most original person at every winter holiday gathering in this Ugh. stuff. Promise. Such a conversation piece. <laughs> and speaking of holiday gatherings, December 18th will be the efi- official. Official? What's my life? <laughs> we would be dead live holiday extravaganza. We'll be broadcasting spooky tales for all of you while our good friend John Radicasa does some amazing holiday special effects makeup for us. I truly could not be more excited about this. It's the Christmas party we all don't get to have. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So- <laughs> Actually, winter holiday, not Mm. just Christmas. We happen to celebrate Christmas, but not all you guys do. That's true. Celebrate as you want to. Uh, We have The Dark Side of Christmas, Tales of Yule, A Festive Horse Skull, and so much more. We do not yet have a Hanukkah spooky story or legend, but if you have one, email it to us. We can read it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. We kind of tapped out our resources and couldn't find a good one, but somebody out there might. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you do, send it to us. Our email is in the tag at the end of the show, and um, and we'll read it on air. Great. That'll be fun. Also, coming up next week, my dear friend Jason, a.k.a. Mr. E, will be joining us as we discuss the history of sideshows. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited about that this. That one's going to be awesome. Oh, my goodness. It's a little bit of a diversion from what we usually do, but it is going to be so cool. There's still crime. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not exclusively true crime. So we're fine. Right? And what, it, what does Jason do? He actually is a sideshow performer, promoter, organizer. Like, he does all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does cool stuff like fire eating and he sticks pins in his face so and stuff. Awesome. He's amazing. I'm going to give um, him so much fire to eat. <laughs> Come hungry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we'll put up videos of the stuff that he does. I told Jason to send me some videos and some pictures, and I can't wait to share them with you guys. We're going to get into the nice and not so nice of the history of Sideshow, the people who choose to devote their lives to this extreme form of entertainment, and how it has evolved into its modern form. As I said, Jason himself is a Sideshow performer, master of ceremonies. He does everything. Like, he knows how to hustle in an entertainment field, like, more than anyone I know. So, Mm. yeah, what a cool day that's going to be. That's going to be great. Would he be categorized as a pyrotarian? I don't know. (laughs) But I like that you made up that word. <laughs> I'll ask him. I'll ask him next week. I can't wait for you to We'll to talk do about so. his dietary habits. <laughs> well, I told him to come on board for the whole episode, so he's going to be here hanging right. out. We're going to interview. Okay. It'll be great. And since we would love to have more cool guests come on the pod, we would love to be able to show off and draw them in with a lot of excellent reviews. Also, we are headed into the holidays, and Leslie and I really want to look good at our extremely small family gathering. Please. (laughs) AKA, we would very much like to put cute pictures on Instagram, and we can't be asking for baby's blood at Christmas time. People are so sensitive. I know. Jeez. I know. They're going to get all weird on us. So if you would like to help us out, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and or a friendly review. It really does make all the difference in the world. If you would like to go a step farther and help finance this journey we're all on together, head over to Patreon and leave us a little money, a little monthly, yeah, but money too, donation. (laughs) For just a few dollars a month, you can gain access to our live campfire stories, a monthly 30-minute horror movie. This month's is the insane film Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm so excited for it. 
<laughs> that may have been the worst and yet also the best movie I've ever yeah. seen. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow, wow. So you get that, which you want, trust me. You'll also get discounts on our merch and on our toast dedicated just to you and much, much more. Well, some more. Maybe not much, much more. I got a little carried away. (laughs) (laughs) Lastly, the easiest way to help us out is to share, share, share. If you like our content, just hit that share button. Then your friends can become fiends and we can all have fun together. Yeah, instead of talking about politics this Thanksgiving, talk about we would be dead. Yes! Please, spread the good word. Uh, We put up a video every Friday. We put up some other fun stuff. So if you like it, share it. And I think that about does it for announcements. Leslie, do you have anything to add? Uh, Not today. No? Maybe next time. All right. On with the show. On August 13th, 2018, at 1.48 a.m., Shanann Watts arrives at her home in Frederick, Colorado. She had spent the weekend at a work retreat with her close friend and neighbor, Nicole Atkinson. Nicole had noticed that something had not been right with Shanann that weekend. She wasn't really eating or drinking, she looked distracted, and when her phone camera wasn't rolling, she lacked the vibrancy and sparkle that she usually radiated. Nicole was worried. Shanann was also 14 weeks pregnant. When Nicole woke up the next morning, the first thing she did was text Shanann to see if she was all right. No response. She remembered that Shanann had a doctor's appointment that morning at 9 and texts her again at 20 after to find out how that had gone. Still no response. She hoped that nothing was wrong with the baby and that's why Shanann wasn't answering her texts. I would be worried too. Yeah, for sure. Now before anyone tries to interject from their car or house or yard or Walmart or wherever you're listening, some people just don't text back right away. Like, I know that, but Shanann was not those people. Mm-hmm. Being unresponsive was extremely out of character for Shanann. She was always attached to her phone, constantly in contact with friends, promoting the products she sold on social media, making videos, posting. She was reachable at all times. I am also like this with text, so mm-hmm. if you don't hear back from me right away, you should probably call the cops. <laughs> I usually, I give you a couple hours, and then I'll, and then I'll reach out just to... And you'll be like, <laughs> it's all I did. <laughs> be like, knock, knock. <laughs> So at noon, after numerous unanswered phone calls as well, when Nicole still hadn't heard back from Shanann, she texted one more time telling her that she was extremely worried about her and would be walking over over to her house to check in immediately because Nicole lived like right across the street, I think. And she did just that. As Nicole approached the house, she noticed that it was silent. The Watts had a busy and lively household. Shanann and Chris had two very young girls, so something was always going on. Today, nothing. No noise, no movement, no people, nothing. Nicole knocked on all the doors and called out for Shanann and the girls, but there was no response. Sensing that something was simply not right, Nicole marched right back to her own house and called the damn cops. Good job, Nicole. Oof, I love her. The 911 call was brief and to the point. Nicole told the operator about the situation as it stood, and they agreed to send an officer out to investigate. So a moment for Nicole. She is a fucking MVP gold star friend. Mm -hmm. The second something seemed off, she was on it. And she keeps going from here. She doesn't stop. I just needed to pause and give her some love because she is the kind of friend we all need. Insert claps. Yes. We love you and see you, Nicole. The police arrive shortly after that, and Nicole meets them right at the curb. Like I said, she is on it. She tells them that she dropped Shanann off at her home around 2 a.m. and hasn't heard from her since. Now, it hadn't been that long, but she had mm-hmm. reason to believe 
something was up because she mentions that Shanann had an appointment with her obstetrician that morning and that she hadn't shown up. And she also hadn't shown up for a business meeting they both had at noon. And this was not usual behavior for Shanann. Now, there are a lot of missing specifics with those two missed events, but for me, it would seem that Nicole had actually called Shanann's doctor to see if she had made it in for her appointment that morning because she's a goddamn all-star, and the doctor informed her that no, she actually hadn't. The police knock on all the doors and windows, and they ask the neighbors if they have seen Shanann, all of whom say no, but without permission of the home's owner, they say they cannot enter the house. Because Nicole's like, get in there! <laughs> like, sorry, ma'am, we can't. They're like, we need their permission, which is true. So then Nicole, who still doesn't give up, calls Shanann's parents! And ask them for the code to the garage because she's going to get into that fucking house one way or another. <laughs> and let me tell you, if it was my best friend who was missing, I would be the same way. I'll break a window and jump in if I have to. But yeah, be digging underneath. <laughs> I'm tunneling into the basement. I'm going to find him. It's going to be okay. So while all this shuffling around has happened, Shanann's husband, Chris, finally arrives on the scene. He is kind of like brisk and cold and looks unfazed by the situation. He's not super happy about cops being all over, but it seems to me that he was raised right because he shakes all of their hands and Mm -hmm. invites them in. You know, he's professional, but not like – he doesn't run on the scene going like, oh my gosh, what has happened? I'm so scared. What do you mean she's not here? Oh no. He's like, hey, hi, I'm Chris. Okay, what's going on? All right. Nicole, on the other hand, does not need to be asked asked in. She walks right through that fucking door and starts – Looking for shit. <laughs> she has like her son or something with her too. This is all from the Netflix documentary. These yeah. because the Netflix documentary, which um, if I can link, I will. I don't know that I can link Netflix. Okay, but if not, I'll just make sure that like we give people as much information as possible. It's it's straight up crime scene video. Yeah, um, and which you've seen it, so you know. But mm-hmm. like, this is not subjective. This is from the cop's camera, and we see exactly what happened in real time. So I think this is her neighbor's son that's with her or something, and he's, he's older. I thought it was like a boyfriend, but maybe, maybe it is. I can't really mm-hmm. gauge. Okay. At first I thought husband, and then I saw her later. I was like, maybe is that his her son? I don't know. A, a dude. There's a dude mm-hmm. with her, and he's looking back like, should I go in this house or should I leave it? She's like, mm in the house. Yeah. <laughs> because meanwhile, before Chris got there, she's on the phone with Shanann's parents, and Shanann's mother is going... Tell the police I say you can go inside. Yeah, because she's like on the lease for the house, I think. Oh, is that why? I think so, okay. yeah. Because I know that her parents were like, we say it's okay, mm-hmm. go in. But then Chris arrives in the meantime, and so it doesn't matter. Chris tells the police that he thinks Shanann has gone to a friend's house. He said they had a little argument, and maybe she just wanted to leave and cool off for a little while. He keeps saying things like, women are like that. Women would know, and I want to punch him in the face every time. Yeah, doesn't he say... Like, have you exhausted all of her friends? Or like, like I don't know, her friends are probably going to know more than I will. Yeah. But goes, I don't even know who all of her friends are. Yeah, That's he like, said Nicole would know more because she's a woman. Yes. Like, and then any of her other friends, he was like, I just know Nicole, but like, she'll probably, Nicole will probably know her other girlfriends. Because yeah. I don't really know that stuff. I'm a guy. Which is the weirdest non-excuse mm-hmm. in the world. Like, John knows who your friends are. Right. Because we're, like, happily together. Yeah. Like, there's none of my friends that Will, Will would never be like, I don't know where she is. He'd be like, here's a list of people she's probably with yeah. right now if she's gone anywhere. And here's, like, the amount of time she takes a shit a day. And <laughs> I'm a unicorn. I don't do that. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. 
It's just me then. I will, I will die on that hill. <laughs> well, you have an issue with dairy, so it's different. Yeah, it's just <laughs> I wasn't lactose intolerant. <laughs> so um, he, he does admit that, like, we, we had a little tiff. She probably went to cool off, as I said. While the cops now wander around the house with flashlights? Did this strike you as weird? Turn on the light. it's like during the day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well. Turn on the light. Also, they turn the light on and still use the flashlight. Why can't you see? There's a scene where the cop goes into the bathroom and he turns on. At first, he uses the flashlight and then he turns on the light and then he like moves the curtain to the tub and then like shines a light yes, down there. Yes, into like, the tub. like, I can see. <laughs> I know. I don't know why. Huh, I don't know. I mean, I'm the, the police actually do good work in this they case. Do, they do a great job. But I did that. <laughs> Didn't make me. I had a feeling. Took me out of it for a second. I was like, wait, what's happening? We both don't like when people walk through dark houses when they could turn on the lights. Oh, yeah. Like in Bly Manor. Oh, yes. Made me so mad. And Halloween. Yes. Yeah. Guys, turn turn on the lights. Don't be Laurie Strouder. Don't turn be Laurie Strode. That's terrible. <laughs> turn on the light. So, I don't, for whatever reason, they do this. And you see them walking through rooms. They walk into the little girls' room. Yeah. They're shining the flashlights around. But Nicole, on the other hand, it goes like beelines for the goods. She's not like, stop puttering around with that. Where's her purse? Which she immediately locates. <gasps> yeah. And her cell phone, which is, I guess, in the purse or right next to it. And she's like, she wouldn't leave her purse. And she dives right into that fucking purse, too. And she's like, and here's her medication. She wouldn't leave without her medication. I love Nicole. Oh, she's so good. Um... And so, because um, Shanann has lupus. Yes. So I think she would be on daily medication for that. But then Chris goes on to explain that the medication is for migraines, which she had been having frequently. Mm-hmm. He said she was on a medication called Imitrex, which I did look up. It is migraine medication. Okay. But I don't know what else it could have been. But Nicole was just away with her for a weekend. And she was like, she needs these pills. She does not travel without them. Then Chris hops on board. Like he's suddenly like, oh, this is what we're doing? Okay. And he comes out of the, one of the girls' bedrooms and he's like, their blankies are here. Mm. And he's like, okay. The cops are like, okay, well, what does that mean? He's like, well, they don't sleep without their blankies. Figuring like, oh, they can't have left willingly. Mm-hmm. I can like hear the gears in his head turning as this all happens. The way he set it up was like, oh, she just left. And then when Nicole comes in and is like, no, all her shit's here, his brain switches over to, oh, they were taken. Right. Like, you can almost watch it evolve in mm-hmm. real time. And and Nicole is panicked when she sees that those things because she knows that that, that that means bad stuff right. has happened. Yeah, because even if she was leaving him, she, she would have taken, taken that. those things. Exactly. So where are they? Were they taken by an intruder? Did Shanann take the kids and flee? Had someone done harm to them? At this point, there's no way to know. Chris also points out that Shanann's phone was off. Mm-hmm. which is nuts. And the police ask if this was a common practice for her. And he says, quote, her phone was her lifeline. Mm-hmm. And then he turns it back on and says, quote, get ready for this thing to blow up. Mm-hmm. And it does. It dings all over the place and in, in roll texts from Chris himself and texts from Nicole. The police also find that Shanann's car is sitting in the garage with both car seats in their place. So she didn't go anywhere of her own free will. Mm-hmm. Shanann can't you? I mean, you can't go anywhere without transportation. And if she had, even if she had gotten picked up by someone, she probably would have needed the car seats to transport the kids because these girls are babies, right? They were probably like they're like one two, and three, yeah. Like no older. The youngest one's no older than two. Like maybe, yeah. She was still like a baby, like, yeah. I think and they were they were not school age, like not preschool. I think the oldest Bella celebrated her fourth birthday in that mm-hmm. video. 
that they show. Yeah. I don't go into the kids too much, you guys, because it's very painful to talk mm-hmm. about the, those poor little girls. And I know as painful as it is for me and as painful as it is for Leslie, I know that a lot of our listeners feel exactly the same way. So for that reason, I chose not to go into the girls too much. Okay. It's a lot to handle. Mm-hmm. I will post pictures of them. They were beautiful little girls. So now this also begs the question yet again, where where the hell are they? Mm-hmm. This whole scene is extremely bizarre. And if you watch the documentary on Netflix, you, you're just watching it in real time. And it feels a lot like spending an hour and a half with a ghost. Mm-hmm. That's how it felt to me, at least. Yeah. It's a very, it felt very weird and surreal. In the meantime, Chris also stumbles out of their bedroom with Shanann's wedding ring in his hand, gazing at it dramatically like maybe he had seen someone do in a sad, sad movie about a sad, sad time when their wife left them. (laughs) I hate that when he's just staring at it like, (gasps) she left a ring. (laughs) Okay. So now that the scene is set, let's pick up the pace. Chris then reports Shanann and the girls missing formally, and the cops and neighbors begin the search. Flyers go up, cops go door to door, and Chris speaks to the media. Bad idea. Bad idea when you're a guy who has no idea what he looks like to other people. Mm. I have a hard time controlling my face sometimes. (laughs) But this dude needs to learn how to do an impression of feelings if he's going to talk to reporters. Right. They ask him about his wife and kids, and he is super low-key. He doesn't cry or get frustrated. He doesn't seem to be emotional at all. A lot of news reports refer to these interviews as him desperately pleading for their return. There's no desperation in it at all. I've seen this a hundred times. He's going like, I just, they're missing, like, I just want him back safe. I just, I just want him to come back safe. Where's the urgency in that? And while this is happening, he's constantly like shifting his weight and stuttering. Not at all like a super duper guilty person would. While I know that everyone possesses it, processes, sorry, tragedy and fear in different ways, spending three days dealing with your missing wife and babies while showing absolutely no level of concern or sadness whatsoever is going to be a red flag to the police. Right. Yeah, I would have expected a little bit more franticness from him. Something. At some point. Maybe yeah. even not at first because there's shock to process. But yeah. as time wears on, you would expect this guy to be be upset in some way. Right. Absolutely. Because even if it was, even if, even to say she she left, I mean, one, she would have taken all of her stuff. But even yes. if she was just like, I'm leaving you kind of thing. Yeah. And there was no word from anybody. Like, I feel like he would have been honest in that regard of just like, we had a fight and this is where it might have been leading to you. But now, like, I don't know where she is. And wouldn't you even be like, I miss my children. I don't Uh, know where my children are. Right. Like, she took my children. Regardless of what we had, I need my children. Yeah, she can't disappear without telling me where my kids are. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, what? Not wife aside, but, like, if you had, if you're done with that relationship or whatever and Mm -hmm. someone leaves you, it's going to be upsetting no matter what. But, like, your kids are different. Right. You would think. One would hope. And I don't know how many red flags have to appear in, like, the world of sports for things to go downhill, but, like, get ready for a lot of them. Here we go. Yeah. While canvassing the area, police hear from the Watts' next-door neighbor, um, and he says he has a security system that picks up part of the Watts' front yard. And it would have seen anything that happened in the area of, like, their door and driveway. So anyone who came and went, this guy would have picked up on camera. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Huh. The cops and Chris go over to his house to watch this all together, and Chris is visibly shitting himself. 
Yeah. <laughs> I am watching this going like, holy shit, how can you not see how nervous this guy is? He's like stretching his hands over his head, like walking around. He's super shifty eyed. He keeps like moving his sunglasses and mm-hmm. stuff. I cannot believe the police didn't immediately notice how nervous he was and arrest him. <laughs> Well, but again, at this point in time, if you have no idea what this outcome is, yeah, you're right. it could also come off as him just like starting to Being get stressed out. Yeah, starting okay. to see like something might have happened. This right. is uncomfortable. <laughs> Knowing what we know, and I assume everybody knows, I don't know that any of you guys are going into this case totally blindsided by it because it's very famous. Mm-hmm. The group watches as the neighbor shows everyone like the only visible occurrence he has. So he's already combed through it. He's like, here's what happens. Everything else is nothing. And then he lets them keep the tape themselves too. Like this guy's great, very accommodating. Um, And he he pulls up like 5.15 in the morning. It's Chris pulling up his truck to the garage, loading something up in his truck, and then leaving. Now the position of the other cars in the area kind of blocks whatever he was carrying. You can just Mm -hmm. see that there's like feed, I guess. But Chris fills them in and says that it was his tools. He worked for a local offshore oil drilling company called Anadarko Petroleum. And it wasn't too out of the ordinary for Chris to leave for work before the sun came up and to need his tools. Or at least that is how it would seem to an outside observer. And to the police. But this story is full of MVPs, you see. After viewing the video, one officer then escorts Chris out of the house. But the second officer notices the neighbor kind of gesturing for him to hang back. And so he does. Once the door is closed, the neighbor tells the remaining officer that he doesn't think Chris was acting right. He looks at him, he's like, that guy did something. He's not, I live next door to him. He's normally very quiet, very reserved. He's been pacing around this whole time, totally out of character. He's chattering nonstop, also totally out of character. I think you need to look at him. Something Mm -hmm. happened. I love that guy. He didn't he also say that his he's never seen him pull his car up that yes, way? He did. He said he also that's not normal. He never mm-hmm. pulls his car up to the garage. That's not how he leaves in the morning. He wouldn't need, even if he was taking his tools. Yeah. They're he not that heavy and no. abundant that he needs to grab them all from the garage. Yeah. Yeah. Whoo! This moment shook me up. Mm-hmm. I love that neighbor. I'm getting chills. I know their neighborhood. I want to live there among those people. Who <laughs> are like, I will protect my neighbors. I know. I'm going to get you. <laughs> so police brought in cadaver dogs to search the house and began looking into Shannon and Chris's lives both apart and together. So before we get any farther into this story, let's look at them as well. Oh, and I think this is the point um, – like when they bring in the cadaver dogs that they decide to bring Chris in for questioning. Like they take okay. him in to the police. So we're going to leave it off with him at the police station. Okay. And the dogs are in the house and stuff. Um, so now we're going to talk about Shanann a little bit. Shanann Catherine Ruzchek, Rukuzek? Yeah, I think that's it. Was born on January 10th, 1984 in Clifton, New Jersey. Nice. Yeah. To her parents, Frank and Sandra. And yes, according to most things I have read, she was born Shannon, not Shanann. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. Because if you listen to the phone calls, her mother calls her Shannon. Huh. Like the point in the, um, like they, cor- they self-correct in interviews and stuff, but there's a point in that video with Nicole when she's on the phone. Right. And her mother, you can hear her mother on the phone and her mother's like, where's Shannon? I was like, oh, no. So why do they... I mean, they she call her, her – She changes her name herself. Oh, okay. Because I know that's like – there's like a thousand Reddit threads about it. People are curious. Okay. And so I just figured I'd add 
what I seem to have found in my research. And she's a fellow, fellow Jersey girl hiding in the South, so we understand But we're going to call her Shanann, right? We will call her she, Shanann. Yes, okay. absolutely. That's what she wanted to be called. Okay. But a lot of people seem to be really be fixated on her name. Of course, yeah. So I thought I'd add it. Early in her childhood, her parents moved their family to Monroe County, North Carolina. Shanann had one brother named Frankie. Shortly after Shanann graduated high school, and by shortly I mean a few months after, she married a man named Leonard King. At this time, she changed the pronunciation of her name, Shanann. Okay. So that's when, when she changed her last name, she changed her first name to be... Pre- and there, in some places, there's like an apostrophe in her name. Yeah. It's not always like listed that way, mm-hmm. but she changed it to Shanann King. Sounds better. Shannon, Shannon King? Shanann King? Yeah, she liked that better. I think it has Which, more like, attitude. I mean, live your life. Be yeah. called what you want to be called. And then she began working at a breakneck speed. Shanann was an ambitious woman and knew what she wanted her life to look like. Her, um, no, no, well, we know that they get divorced. Her ex-husband, Leonard King, um, was interviewed, actually, and reported that Shanann was always working. And even when she wasn't working, she was attached, attached to her phone. So eventually the two became distant, and Shanann stopped coming home at night. And in 2008, the pair would finalize their divorce. Okay. So they weren't married for... Not long, but a little chunk of time. By this time, Shanann had secured a job in, all I could find was internet sales. I learned that she worked for two other MLM companies. I think it, one was Unique. Oh, yeah. I know people who work for them. there was this owl. It was like an owl thing. O-W-L. I had no idea. I never heard okay. of it, but it was some other kind of internet. She um, also... Worked in HR at a children's hospital, which we'll get into, and at a car dealership. So she always always had like a million balls in the air. She worked Mm -hmm. a lot. Whatever she was doing, she certainly did make some money because shortly after her divorce, she was able to build her first home, which was an enormous point of pride for Shanann as she was only 25 years old. And really, it should be for anyone. I was not that put together at 25. Mm -mm. I couldn't be like, I'm working three jobs. I build a house. I live in here by myself. My divorce is done. That's bananas. Clearly, Shanann could hustle, and she knew exactly what she wanted. But as financially bright as this time was for Shanann, her health had begun to decline. She was quoted as saying she was constantly fatigued and unwell, feeling like she had the flu. After months and months of rigorous testing, Shanann was diagnosed with lupus, which is an autoimmune disease, and she began to look look to an online community for support and confidence. And this is when she began, like, documenting her life all the time. That's when the videos, like, explaining her story started and she would be, like, addressing an audience when Mm -hmm. she was talking on Facebook or whatever. She made a lot of online friends and I think through, like, the lupus support community and stuff. And that's when she received a friend request from a man named Chris Watts. One of her friends had previously suggested that they friend each other online, but Shanann rejected it. And she did not, like... He requested her, too, and she, she like, didn't accept it. And then he requested her again a few months later. So he was persistent. Shanann claims that when they were first dating, she put him through the ringer. And there's, like, her, a video of her being like, I made him go to my colonoscopy with me. I rejected him. I humiliated him. But he wouldn't leave me. I think it's so weird that he went to her colonoscopy. I know, and that that's what she says? Yeah. I guess she might have been talking to a community of people who that was coming for. Oh, absolutely, for. yeah. So, you know. Yeah. But th- what she's trying to present through this is that even through all of her challenges, Chris stayed by her side. Yeah. And through those trials, she realized that that this was the perfect man for her. 
And they post, they have like videos of their wedding where Shanann's family is like emotionally embracing Chris and, and it's, it's nice. But from there on out, she would post about Chris all of the time to her social media followers. He was always there. The pair married in 2012, and for a time, Chris and Shanann both worked together at a car dealership. Shanann was still in internet sales. Like, she, she that's the division of the dealership she worked at. Mm-hmm. So she was selling cars online, and Chris was a mechanic on the floor. But shortly after they were married, the pair fell in love with Colorado and decided to relocate there. Chris found a job right away. I think they went on a trip there, and they were like, we love it here. Mm-hmm. Um Chris found a job right away with an offshore oil company, and the pair purchased a large and extravagant home they most certainly could not afford. But this had become part of Shanann's lifestyle. Shanann worked in the HR department of a children's hospital, so in Colorado is where she did that, but she always had a side hustle. The pair welcomed their two children, Bella in 2013 and Cece in 2015, and from what anyone could tell, those girls became the light of their lives. There's a million and one videos of them being doted on. Shanann loved being a mother and had her girls in, you know, showcasing how cute they were in their little outfits or saying silly words or singing songs or wearing matching outfits. And from all these appearances, Chris was the same as a father. He appears to be an extremely doting father with his children, always like holding them and playing with them and reading to them, which makes all of this even worse in the end. So Shanann Watts was absolutely perfect on paper, which is an expression. I don't mean real paper, rather in this day and age over social media. Her story had everything when you watch her retell it, from humble beginnings to ambition to a failed marriage to an illness, buying her own house at 25 and marrying the man of her dreams, starting a family and earning tons of money by being her own boss. If she were a contestant on Chopped, you would know she was winning as soon as she started talking. (laughs) She was the kind of perfect that makes other women mad. I can tell you this because I, shamelessly, I am other women. When I see posts like hers on social media just relentlessly hammering in how their life is perfect on a minute-by-minute basis, I, while I sit covered in dog hair making poor food choices and hoping my stress-induced eye twitch doesn't blind me before this episode, I want to run into traffic. I know. Even when they post things that makes their lives sound like a mess— they still do it like in a yep. – like it's a perfect mess. It's a mess, but it's my mess and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Like, I know. She's like, my kids – well, as I call them, my little monsters. Everyone calls their kids that. It's not a cute original thing. No. And they're being perfect and your house is immaculate. I call See? mine little shits. <laughs> Yours listen. <laughs> Sorry, boys. Sorry, boys. <laughs> They don't listen to this. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I get, I get that. And, and I say these things because it gives nearly everyone I know and don't know, hopefully I, some people I don't know that are listening, kind of a touchstone as to who this, the image of this, of this person was. Mm-hmm. Like we all know at least 10 of those women. Mm-hmm. And that is what is being projected from their household. And plenty of women perform this balancing act. This is not an indictment on Shanann's character whatsoever. It is okay. Most of these women are perfectly wonderful people. It's performative, but they don't have any bad intentions. A huge part of this performance was due to Shanann's current employment. Um, So like this would be at the time after she has her two kids and it's 
they're living at the house in Colorado. And constant life documentation was not only encouraged, but required. Shanann was working for a multi-level marketing company called Level. Did they pronounce it Level? I think it was. Yeah. Level. It's yeah, a, I want to say like Lavelle, but I it think has it's a level. hyphen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's uh, Leslie's going to go into it in one second. And she was selling a program called Thrive, which, to my knowledge, is a weight loss system. I think every single one of us also knows a woman or twenty women who do this now. But I have always found it extremely difficult to understand the ins and outs of this. So, Leslie, why don't you take us on a multi-level marketing journey? So, MLM stands for multi-level marketing. Examples are Mary Kay, Avon, Young Living, uh, doTERRA, Amway, Advocare, Herbalife, and Thrive. There's a lot of them. (laughs) We'll talk about Young Living eventually. (laughs) Some call these companies pyramid or Ponzi schemes. However, MLMs are a legal form of business where a pyramid scheme is not, and the difference is basically just a small loophole. In a pyramid scheme, you are being sold the idea of a company that you decide to invest in. To make your money back fast, you are instructed to recruit more investors to join. They usually want you to recruit three to five, maybe even ten people, and then you get those people to recruit three to ten more people. This is now your downline, and this is how the pyramid starts to form. Mm Mm-hmm. Every time someone invests under you or one of your members of the downline, you receive a percentage from that sale, and the rest goes right up to the top. Pyramid schemes may or may not involve the sale of product or distributorship. If they do, it is an an attempt to show legitimacy and disguise their real intent. So that's like a pyramid scheme. Yeah, so I was going to say, aren't pyramid schemes like they lack the actual product, but a multi-level yeah. marketing has a product? and if they have product. a product, it's like a shit product. It's not right, great. Right, right. People, it's not what they what um, they had promised people. Mm-hmm. And they can usually keep these going for a little while because you're also paying for – it's not just the membership or like an investing fee. It's mm-hmm. also like you're paying maybe to get training done or other other things they can do for a little while. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, I don't have any product. And the, that end of the downline, you start to not get any more money and those people leave and then the people at the top are – they can just kind of close out with yep. like tons of money. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So an MLM, on the other hand, is the method of selling products directly to a consumer without having like a storefront. Right. They, they also call it like direct marketing sometimes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Part products and sometimes memberships are sold through a network of distributors or salespersons set up to resemble a pyramid where each distributor recruits and trains additional distributors and will earn commissions on their sales, so very similar to the pyramid, um, as well as their sales he or she or they makes. The main difference of the MLM that makes it legal is that they focus on receiving a majority of their profits from product sales versus recruitment. Right. Typically, it's about 70% product selling and 30% recruitment, whereas in a pyramid scheme, it's going to be all recruitment. Right. And that's also something to look for when you're looking at these MLMs. If Mm -hmm. the majority of what the person trying to get you to sign up is telling you is like, oh, it's all like with recruitment. If you can like recruit these people right away, you're going to make money. That's something that you should be like, I'm going to step away from because – if it's more recruitment, even though they have the product and it might be like a good product, mm-hmm. if it's mostly recruitment, that's where at some point you're going to – it's going to fumble. Yeah. They all seem like a great idea. Mm-hmm. So Thrive by 
We'll say level, so I'm not like being an asshole going Lavelle. I, think <laughs> I don't know. It's I apologize. To be level, but it is L E V hyphen E L. And also because sometimes I see it put together. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's just just judging by what they sell and how they are how they seem to the language they use. I think yeah. it's level. Yeah. But I, if we're wrong, you can tell us. And this is the system that – this is what Shanann sold. And I think she eventually left all of her other jobs and just did this. Mm, yeah. I would think so. Uh, yeah. This was her, like, after a little while, this was her main gig. Right. So Thrive is an MLL company. Shanann was selling a health and wellness lifestyle called the Thrive Experience. This is an eight-week premium lifestyle transformation plan that incorporates a regimen of multivitamins, shakes, and body patches to achieve peak physical and mental levels. Mm. Level. Mm-hmm. There it is. Yeah. They use the <laughs> word perform, um, performance and level like So it's probably level, not Lavelle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We got it now. We figured it out. Uh, Like many MLMs, a sales rep like Shanann is selling a lifestyle change. Part of your sales pitch is how the products have positively affected you and to share this with everyone you know in various ways like social media, emails, and parties. In order to get anywhere in the company, you need to turn your whole life into a sales pitch and make it look like you are very successful. Every meal, every social hang, every carpool pickup, every home project, every holiday event becomes another way to sell your product. And that, and she was in Mm -hmm. it. It, man. Yeah. Whew. For example, Shanann posted 357 videos over two years. Wow. That's a video every two days. And almost every picture she has, which is a ton, I'll showcase her with her Thrive patch or some other Thrive element. Yeah. Um, or even why a cute picture of her and her family was made possible by Thrive. And we, again, know oh, a lot of people yeah. that are like this where it's – and uh, and I will say I'm gonna just throw it out there right now. I have been part of in like multi level oh, no. marketing Leslie. businesses. I know, I was in my twenties, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I have done this, and that is something like I mean, anytime any any business mm-hmm. that you want to make your own, you put your life into it. So yeah, anytime you do something, I mean, it could be you know having a glass of wine and taking a picture of that glass because your lipstick didn't stay in the glass. And you're just like, isn't this amazing? Wow. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Everything becomes a sales pitch. <laughs> and it's very easy to get addicted to. I mean, how that social dilemma show is about how yeah. addicting social media could be. So now you're throwing that into, like, your work life. It gets very addicting. Oh, my God. That was things. a really good example and something I would never think something about. Something so simple, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like many MLM companies, the sales reps are their customers. They want you to use their product and then pitch it to others. And if you sign up just a couple people, you could make $1,000 within the first two weeks. How many people do that, though? Unfortunately, it's not so easy. In order to make $1,000 in the first two weeks or month, you would need – actually, so for Thrive, I think uh, it's within the first two weeks you can Mm -hmm. make $1,000. And this is by signing up four people for an auto-ship delivery and then four more people to enroll as promoters who purchase packages that total at least 1,600 QV or qualified volume, which is a lot – um, and again, you only make that if you can sign up eight people in two weeks. And if some awful. of that sounds confusing, so say, so I said 1600 QV, which is a qualified volume. Okay. 
a lot of times that's not dollar per dollar. So that could mean that you have to get eight people to spend probably closer to $2,000 Oh, my each. God. So that's, you know, like 400 or so on these packages, right? Right. It's pretty hard to get. People can get there, but it, it's hard to do. Wow. And so you actually spend – so if you don't get there, then you don't get it, but you've probably put money in to try to get that far. You sure did. Or you might have bought the – um, the difference of it in order to get up to a certain level. So do you have to buy the products and then you sell the product like LuLaRoe? Sometimes. <laughs> Which sounds great. Great. I have to find a documentary on multi-level marketing and, and specifically mm-hmm. LuLaRoe mm-hmm. that really exposes a lot of this. Yeah. And if I can mm-hmm. find the title of it, I will I will provide it in our show notes this okay. week. Um, yeah, sometimes you do. Sometimes uh, – it's great when you can just sign people up right away and mm-hmm. they buy it and then you get it. But sometimes you need to buy the product ahead of time to hit a level within a specific period of time yeah. that then you hope to sell afterwards. Yeah. These women with the LuLuRoe leggings have like closets and closets yeah. just filled with them. Yeah. Because they just get a box. They don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. They just get a box of stuff and then they have to sell it. Yep. Yeah. Now, on a normal basis, you have goals to meet each month, and as you reach new levels or tiers, you qualify for increased benefits that come in the form of percent of income earned. Um, usually, the highest you can get to is like 20 to 30%. You can get trips to trainings or conferences, cars, vacations, or more products. So that's all within like ways to earn. Like so Mary it's not Kay's just always- famous pink Cadillac. Exactly, yep. Um, In order to acquire these levels, you need to consistently stay at those levels for a certain period of time. And to do this, you and your downline need to reach those goals together. So it's not always just you making it. That's why you have the other people below Mm. you. Um, This can all be very confusing. And actually, my next line is going to say that. Figuring out what you can actually make from these companies is always complicated, rarely laid out in a comprehensive manner, and usually non-existent of proof. Yikes. To stay on point, I'll stay with Thrive. As an example, even though this is true for 99.9% of these companies, Thrive says their sales rep can make 20 to 30% for their first line and 4% for their second and third line. And then that's kind of where it stops for them to make the money. Shanann was said to have reached the 80,000 VIP level. This means that her whole team made 80,000 in sales and purchases. I oh, also cumulatively? Read, uh, cumulatively. Oh, see, that's deceptive. Yeah. I had also read, so just in case somebody comes back, I had also read somewhere, it was like a Reddit forum, so that's why I wasn't sure to take it from yeah. there, but that she was about to get to like a 200,000 one as well. Mm-hmm. But again, that would have been all of her line, not her. And yeah. that wouldn't have been what she actually made. It would have been what she sold. So I can counter that a little bit, and I'm going to get to it more later. Okay. In 2015, when they declared bankruptcy, mm-hmm. their annual income was $90,000, like gross, both of them. And that's gross. Chris and Shanann. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't Shanann was making that much because he had a very steady job. Yes. Mm-hmm. Chris Watts was a lot of things, but he did work at a decent job all the time. Right. Right. So if that gives you any inclination as to how much money she was making, right. well, it's not $90,000. <laughs> right. So, um, Okay. So this means um, if her whole team was making 80 k in sales and purchases, then if she, say, was actually making the 20 mm-hmm. to 30%, she's probably making closer to 20000 Which that tracks. However, you have to take into account how much she spent on the products every month as well. Woof. 
which was at least $400 a month because she would have had to pay for, um, she was doing the whole like kitten and caboodle. Yeah. Chris was doing the whole kitten and caboodle. <laughs> and yeah, her kids they're also. they're always freaking covered yeah, in patches. Those, um, the programs were, I think, a minimum of like 150 to like about 150 like at least. Then the kids each had, they were also using some of the items She as put well. those freaking patches on her kids? They had kid. well, they had kids. It wasn't all patches, but they did have kid-friendly things, like things specifically for Okay. Them. So she was getting it for everyone in the family. And then um, if her downline wasn't stepping up enough and she didn't want to lose her rankings, she would also have to buy more product to stay within there. Oh, my God. And any unused product she still couldn't sell back because then she would lose rankings. Oh, my God. Yeah. Huh? Um, like an evil empire. <laughs> so now her take home is getting smaller and smaller. Um, now it seems like she might make out with profit, even if it's small, though. You know, like she might be making something. However, if she, if some of the twenty k, some of that twenty k is also probably not in a form of cash. She was also winning Products. trips, oh trips, and okay. cars and other right. things. But all of that gets formed. So instead of getting the cash, it almost turns into like a credit, and that goes towards that. Which I think in these kind of things, you can decide like, oh, I'd rather just get the bonus mm-hmm. than the than the car but the amount isn't the same i think you sometimes get more for taking the credit so then you think like oh that's a better option yep oh my god so now if you're going on a if you decide to maybe take that trip to the training or to um like maybe like a vacation or something like that these trips aren't fully paid for Usually it's just the conference or training, hotel room, and meals during the conference, but then you might still need to pay for airfare, transportation, and the meals outside of the conference. Um, And depending on how many days it is, like those kind of things can definitely add up. Um, And then imagine if you didn't win those trips, these people would be paying out of pocket to go on, like to go to these conferences and trainings that they are told that they have to go to. Resorts too, aren't they? They're not A lot of times they're like resorts, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Sometimes they're just like a hotel, like a like a a cool yeah hotel. Um, and these conferences are pushed on you as a way to grow your business. And I put like in quotes business. <laughs> There's air quotes that Leslie's doing. <laughs> you will usually get to meet the heads of these companies and hear their inspiring tales and how and why they started the company. Uh, there will be testimonials and wild health claims made by people who have used the product and cured an uncurable disease or got pregnant after being told they couldn't or can walk even though they don't have legs. <laughs> <laughs> I will sign up for that company. I hover. I fly around. There will be speakers who talk about how easily and quickly uh, you can earn money because they did it. Yet all of their speeches will be vague and as confusing as their website. Or they will make wild claims at the amount you can make and the company will come out later to say that that person who said that uh, wasn't really speaking for us. Even though that person that was probably speaking was actually like on the board of the company. Well, so, like, why wouldn't says you? those things. She's like, I had lupus. I thought I could never have children. Right. So she, <sighs> so they would come out and say she doesn't speak for us, but that was her personal experience. Okay. But they want you to talk about these oh things. Oh, my God. They want it's you so to say, evil. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so they'll make wild – and you're getting amped. Like, the energy is so high at these things. It reminds me of Glee when they do, like, the hairology. 
Oh, no. <laughs> and it's so flashy and it's so exciting mm-hmm. that you don't even realize what they are saying is like a bunch of empty bullshit promises. Oh, my God. But I digress. The main reason you go to these conferences is to learn sales techniques and to be inspired to keep going. You meet a lot of people in the industry and you share stories. And it could be very – it could be a very wonderful experience and it and it is great at like pushing you to go further. Okay. They hold these conferences mostly for people to get amped to sell their products. It's honestly just a really big pep rally. Okay. And the high you get from these conferences or trainings is pretty addictive. You see others reaching higher levels and you start to believe that you can get there too, especially when they tell you it's easy to do. Um, It will take up your whole life, but you can get there. (laughs) Oh, no. They also reinforce the fact that it's your business and you are growing, which if it was your business, by all means, put everything you have into it. This idea is what they trap people with. But unfortunately, it is, it is, and I'm going to say this and I know this is going to be hard. It is not like owning your own business and here's why. One. I agree. (laughs) You have no control over the product. Two. You're legally considered an independent contractor. Taxes. Oh, three. The business model depends on recruitment. It really does. If you don't recruit people, you're not going to make money. Four. Oh my God. You rarely make money. The Federal Trade Commission recently reported that 99% of MLM sellers end up losing money over the course of doing business. That means that just 1% of sellers make a profit. It's not even that they get rich. It's just that they made a profit, that they didn't lose money. Oh, my God. And the FTC clearly pointed out that 1% usually comprises of the top recruiters who joined the MLM early. My eye is twitching again. (laughs) Five, you have to pay to get the job. Six, you can only advertise in approved ways. And seven, and there's more, but I'll just end here. Seven, is training, which is not set up by you, but by the corporation. Like when you own your own business, you set up that training. It's mostly just motivational speeches. So it's not even an actual training. Mm-hmm. So that is mostly <laughs> what I wrote. Um, I will say I did find uh, recently there was an update uh, in September okay. of 25. The Direct Selling Self-Regulatory Council had issued a case decision based on a complaint finding that Level and its distributors were making inappropriate health claims about the Thrive product line and a tip and atypical income claims about the company's business opportunities. The decision concluded stating that DSSRC, which was the Direct Selling Self-Regulatory Council, okay. will continue to monitor the messages disseminated by the company's promoters and will take prompt and necessary steps should it identify an ongoing proliferation of unsupported product or income claims. Yikes. So um, somebody had, wrote, in a Reddit forum, mm-hmm. they when somebody brought up that, oh, you can make, you know, you're making like 20 to 30%, which is fairly normal in like the one company that I had worked that seemed to be what I was kind of making. Yeah. Um, not that I sold much product, but this person said that they had worked for them for two years and when they actually put out all of their income, they realized that they had only been making 2%. Wow. And that they had lost like thousands of dollars. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. So wow, there's, wow, wow. there are always people that might be able to make something, but it's never, I don't know. It's, it's tricky. It's, it's a scary, oh my God. It's a scary please, business. Please don't to get, get scammed. Into. Please don't get scammed. 
Um, if you guys want more information on this, which is something I found fascinating, the um, expose on LuluRow was done by Vice, which means that I can link it for you. So okay. I will find some clips or maybe even the whole thing and put it in the show notes if you guys have any interest in learning more about multi-level marketing. Mm-hmm. John Oliver um, did a really good did he? expose too. Yeah, and if uh, you find that, let me know and I'll link it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I uh, encourage you guys to to do your do your reading on this subject. Yes, because it's easy to have people taken for a ride. And like Leslie was saying, companies like Thrive, not all of them maybe, but like mm-hmm. the big ones like Thrive, it's it's a cult, basically. Mm-hmm. They they thrive Hi-yo. Hi-yo. on like a cult mentality. Yes. Um, they even tell you if uh, if your family and friends don't support you to cut them out. That is a cult. Yeah. That is the number one tenant of a cult, isolation. Yeah. Guys. Please, dear God, be careful. Um, but but that was Shanann's job in life, which, as Leslie said, um, so while working for them, she was encouraged to keep up the appearance of being a successful boss bitch with an opulent life, even if she lacked the finances to do so, mm-hmm. which is pretty dangerous. But Shanann was far from the only woman to do this. And in 2015, as I stated a little bit ago, the Watts family had to file for bankruptcy um, to settle their large amount of debts. Things had begun to get a bit rocky at home. Chris and Shanann argued. Shanann claimed to be the, quote, dominant one in the relationship, bragging and boss about bossing her husband around. And again, this is a personality trait we probably all recognize. It's not harmful or abusive. I don't want to, anyone to think I'm insulting Shanann because I'm not. She was a kind and devoted friend, wife and mother, but she also had very specific personality traits. And Leslie, you and I have discussed this at length, but it's it's hard to present who she was without presenting those facts as well. I agree, yeah. So I think the full picture is very valuable here. Mm-hmm. Not only as it reflects on her marriage, but how it reflects on how she was connected to her community in a very specific way and how a public how public her life was, but do not mistake this for me saying Shanann did anything wrong because she most certainly did not. By 2018, Shanann and Chris were struggling mightily and decided that perhaps having another child would help them get back to their happy place. Uh, now, this is something that Chris admits more to, but and Shanann says that like more problems that developed later kind of blindsided her, but you take take those things for what they're worth. Shanann and Chris loved being parents and they thought the experience of another child would, you know, bring them closer together. This is not a new thing at all. A lot of people do it. Shanann is still relentlessly joy posting about her perfect life, though. And in June of 2018, she posts a video of Chris walking into their bedroom to discover her wearing a t-shirt that says, oops, we did it again. <laughs> I love Brittany. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but this is referring to her pregnancy. And Chris responds, seeming like he's very happy about it. He says, this is awesome a bunch of times. But again, this is an extremely intimate moment for most people. And it strikes me as a little strange to want to share it with the internet at large. And I almost feel in watching it like I don't belong in that room with them. Right, like we're imposing. Exactly. It feels like a show. All of the relentless joy posting does that to me, though. In my opinion, it's usually a reflection that the poster is hiding something. They cover up a troubled relationship with nonstop smiling compliments about their perfect and wonderful spouse. So to me, this kind of smacks of trouble. Mm -hmm. Shortly after the announcement of her pregnancy, 
um, and a long and syrupy Father's Day dedication to Chris, Shanann decides to take her kids to North Carolina to visit hers and Chris's family for five weeks, which is so long, and Chris will not be joining them, which struck me as so weird. But he has to work. She works for Thrive. That's it. So she can do that anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, But he has to stay at the job, which is probably giving them, like, you know, insurance and reliability and stuff like that. And he has to work, but he said he'll come out for a few days at the end of the trip so he can fly back with them. Five weeks, and she is seeing both families with the kids by herself. So this, again, to me, feels kind of like a red flag. Yeah. But who knows? In texts that were recovered from her phone, police discover that Shanann had been distraught for most of her trip in North Carolina. She tells her friends that Chris has gone distant and appears to not care about her anymore. Um, he barely checks in. He doesn't check in with the kids. They, they like, have one phone I think it's a text exchange mm-hmm. where on the documentary where she's talking about like, why aren't you waking up every morning and FaceTiming your children? Which is a little, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. But like he wasn't doing anything. He hadn't spoken to them in like weeks at that point, which was out of character for him. And it's, it should be out of character for any parent and their young, tiny children. If you're away from your little babies for weeks, you, you're going to call them every night. I mean, if I'm out of town, I call my kids every night. That's right. just what you do. Shanann talks about being lonely and crying all the time in regards to Chris's treatment of her, which is exactly what I would assume was happening while reading an insanely long tribute to her beloved husband for no reason. Mm -hmm. So this kind of checks out. During the trip, Chris barely calls Shanann, as I said, but she texts him constantly and is constantly asking for affection and attention. Why aren't you calling me? Call me more. Tell me you love me. What's going on? So like it's reaching a fever pitch. She says, you know, I thought you would miss me. I thought you would miss the children. And his responses do seem apologetic. He's always like, I'm sorry, babe. I love you. I'm busy. I'll call you more tomorrow. That's my mistake. I'll call the kids as soon as I can. They're short and few, but they're not aggressive. Right. During her time in North Carolina, Shanann visits with the Watts family, and she leaves the kids with Chris's mother one afternoon while she goes and runs errands or sells patches or whatever, and she returns home to find Chris's mother and the girls making cupcakes with tree nuts in them, which her youngest daughter, Cece, is violently allergic to. And so Shanann loses her whole mind. She is furious and lets Chris's mother have it. Now, before we get on the defensive, first of all, her child's life was in danger. So she goes into mama bear mode, which I get. And like, nut allergies are scary. Mm-hmm. They're usually not just you get a little rash. They're like, you, you stop breathing. Right. I, I like, I get panicking at that moment. I totally get it. Second of all, Chris's mother pleaded total ignorance. She was like, I had no idea she was allergic to nuts, which is a little weird to me because a tree nut allergy, again, is a big one. And there are like a hundred videos of Shanann talking about her kid's nut allergy. Right. But- I guess she hit snooze on those. <laughs> right. <laughs> But accidents and forgetfulness do happen. Whatever the cause was, Shanann said that Chris's parents were not to see the children again, which seems that was, I know, I thought that big. was a wild jump. It is. That is an extravagant jump. But my thoughts on that are is that she's also stewing in anger with Chris yes. for ignoring her mm-hmm. the whole time she was there and felt that this would probably get his attention and mm-hmm. also like she was taking out a little of that on them. Right. And also, I mean, we didn't hear their full argument no. and it could have gotten heated enough at it the end absolutely for her to be like, we're out of here. I think because also, you might mention this, but the mom, I don't think her his parents actually liked her that much and she knew that. No. They do hint to the fact that Chris's parents never liked her. Mm-hmm. Now, there are no 
interviews with them Mm -hmm. confirming this. But they do say they weren't as thrilled with them getting married as Shanann's parents were. And Mm -hmm. they always found Shanann to be quite pushy. Mm -hmm. And yeah. They do say I don't have too much about that, but you're right. They do say, but yeah, that. just I can just see that fight escalating because if Shanann was aware of this or felt it, yeah. then she was like, "Well, now I have my reason. We're done. I don't have to." And because the anymore. parents might have been mad because they already did feel that they're like, "You're being so pushy, and now you're screaming at us for like anything we do mm-hmm. with our grandchildren." It seems to have easily been able to turn into a volatile situation. Yeah, but. The Watts did apologize profusely for the misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. They did come back and say they were very, very sorry. Because they're not shit people. They're not. They really aren't. His parents aren't. No. Oh, I feel so sad for his dad. I do too. Um, After this whole mess, Shanann decided to have a birthday party while in North Carolina. I have that it was Cece, but I think it was her older daughter, Bella. It doesn't truly make a difference. They had a birthday party for one of the girls, and she invited Chris's parents but they didn't show up. And Chris is also not there as he was still working in Colorado. So Shanann made the decision to celebrate her birthday without dad and everybody else. Right. And this was like a big old party. Mm-hmm. I would have gotten it if it was like, well, I'm with my parents. I'm going to have like one with them. And then when we get home, we'll have one with dad or whatever. Or when dad gets here in two weeks, everybody can come. Right. I feel like I would have waited for Will if I knew he was coming to celebrate like Flynn's birthday. Absolutely. That is neither here nor there, but it's just like that's what was happening. So now Shanann is furious because the Wattses were invited, but they didn't show. And Shanann starts texting Chris and saying, like, that was not right. They should have come to see their grandkids. If they were so, so sorry about what happened, they would have shown their face. They would have celebrated. And Chris just, like, placates her. He seems to agree. He's like, you're right. That's not okay. That's that's an unacceptable thing for them to do. But you should know that they um, didn't come because they were scared of you. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably like, gosh, they don't I'm want. Gonna get yelled at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I like I see both sides of that coin, but he also like doesn't speak to his family at length on Shanann's behalf. It doesn't seem, but I like again the situation is very complicated. Yeah. Chris claims that they were afraid to speak to her, like I said, and that's why they didn't come. And there seems to be a lot of peacekeeping in these conversations. Mm-hmm. He seems to like be blowing everything to one side. It's all fine. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. So the last week of Shanann's time in North Carolina, Chris shows up, and there is a really, really awkward video of the girls greeting him at the airport, and it's from her perspective. She's, like, taking it on her phone, and she's directing it. Like, in the beginning of it, she's like, no, 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 don't come here. I want to see the girls run up to him. Maybe they were thriving or something. I don't know. And he's clearly happy to see him, and they run to him, and they hug him, and he hugs them, and he's giving them kisses and talking to them and saying, like, I was on an airplane. Um, And Shanann is behind the camera, does not get in on any of this. She doesn't hug him. She doesn't talk to him, nothing. The two barely say hello. It is at this time that she starts to text her friends in a pretty desperate fashion. She says that Chris has become cold and unaffectionate. He won't hug her or kiss her, and they don't have sex anymore. She says that that never before in their relationship have things gone like this. She even goes on to say to one of her friends in a text that before before she left for North Carolina, they couldn't get enough of each other. It was bizarre and jarring and upsetting for Shanann, to say the least. And I can imagine that would be awful. All of a sudden, like, your relationship is totally different. Mm-hmm. On the plane ride home, after this, like, they spend the week at the beach in North Carolina or whatever, Chris tells her that he thinks they are no longer compatible. After having had time alone, he realizes it, and Shanann is gobsmacked with this news and says that she will not give up on their marriage, she is not giving up on their family, Um, And Chris agrees to work on things, but he seems already gone at that Mm -hmm. point. 
um, there are texts to her friends like on this flight where she texts them from the airport saying like, Chris just told me that we're not compatible anymore and I don't know what to do. I'm tra- I'm so sad. I'm just going to sit and cry all the time. So she's like ex- extremely upset by this whole situation. Moving forward, Chris withdraws all signs of affection, refusing to even hold Shanann's hand during an ultrasound. Shanann suspects he may be, quote, getting it from somewhere else, which Chris denies, you know, like a liar. <laughs> because as a matter of fact, Chris has been having an affair and one that will cost Shanann and the girls their lives ultimately. Oh, so Chris Watts. I, I'm not going to give him a whole lot of background or detail because I think he's an arrogant, petulant, permanent teenager who was more invested in his dick than his kids. Yep. But, as I am required to be thorough, Chris Watts was born on May 16th, 1985 in Fayetteville, North Carolina to parents Cindy and Ronnie, who we do not blame for any of this. He was perfectly average at everything, worked as a mechanic and then an offshore oil driller. He was sort of schlubby but charming enough. And in that state, Shanann seemed to be, like, kind of at the top of his league when they got married. He was kind of like a, like an average middle-of-the-road everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was, like, charming and charismatic and beautiful and everything and out there in the world and had a million friends. Woo! You know. And he was totally smitten with her at first. Shanann was at a phase in her life where she needed someone to be very taken with her and to attend to her in her time of need. Because remember, this is right after her lupus diagnosis. And after a difficult divorce. So Chris fit the role that she needed to fill, and they got married. Once they were married, life just kind of rolled along for Chris. From what I can see, he didn't have a whole lot of his own friends. Did you notice that? Yeah. Where are his friends? Right, nobody was there. There's none. They're Mm. all Shanann's friends. Yeah. He was a diligent employee. I can say that. He was not very talkative to with his neighbors, as the one guy with the video camera said. He makes a point of saying how he was, like, always standoffish. So, mm-hmm. not a lot of friends. He was a loving father, and it appears smiling in all of Shanann's videos. When she began selling the Thrive products, she used Chris as a model and a test subject. And he really leaned in, apparently. Because in the latter years of their marriage, he became, like, obsessed with fitness and lost a substantial amount of weight. Mm-hmm. So he went from like a schlubby guy reaching for the stars with this beautiful woman to like the hot dad. Right. Something that will affect a certain kind of person's psyche. Mm-hmm. And Chris is that kind of person. And I assume he probably enjoyed a little more attention after that from other people than he did in the past. Well, that's clear. Unlike Shanann, Chris did not like living a public life. He didn't like making videos nonstop. He didn't want to be on camera or play the role of the doofy doting husband. But he did it. I'm sure this bred some kind of resentment. But here's the thing. Divorce is possible. And so is a pointed conversation with your wife about moments you would rather keep private and or requesting she only use herself in the hey guys videos. You can do that. You don't have to be silently mad until you kill someone. No. Absolutely not. In fact, most people aren't. But that's not how the story goes. As hyped as Chris seems to be in the video announcing their third child, it just so happens that at that exact time, he had begun a relationship with a woman named Nicole Kessinger, who worked in the office of the offshore drilling company he worked for. Nicole was younger. She was a yoga instructor and a fitness enthusiast. She was outdoorsy and sweet and quiet and kind. And she was hot, Mm -hmm. which is key. She looks like an Instagram model. Yeah. 
Like, let's not dance around the fact she was young and hot and Chris had reached a point in his life where he thought that's what he deserved. I think we can agree on that, yes? Absolutely. Okay, so Chris and Nicole were originally just work friends, but their relationship turned sexual extremely fast. He told her that he had two children and he was in the process of getting a divorce. And she in turn believed him. She had no reason not to. Even though there was a considerable amount of sneaking around. When Shanann went on her five-week trip and Chris was terribly unresponsive, it was because he spent every waking moment with Nicole. And like an idiot, he let this time be documented with pictures. You can find them anywhere online. I'll put them in the photo suite. They look like a couple. I mean, they would because they were. Mm -hmm. Chris had a habit of hiding his outings with Nicole by using different credit cards to pay for things and only calling her from the basement of his house at night. So you would think she'd be like, how final is your divorce? Right, that's weird. How she didn't find that suspicious is beyond me, but if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. People only believe what they want to believe. Yeah. And, I mean, it could just be, it's still like an uncomfortable situation, and when you're finalizing a divorce, you don't want to look like you've already moved on. Sure. You might end up losing more of your assets than you would have. Absolutely. There's so many reasons for that. And you could rationalize his behavior with any of those things. And maybe he's calling the kids, and she'd be like, of course, you don't want me in the background if you're calling your kids. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. By the time Shanann returned from her trip to North Carolina, Chris and Nicole were in full-blown love. Though she claims he he said it to her a lot, and she only said it back like a couple of times. It's like, not not that it mattered. <laughs> but like, I get that. I think yeah. if I were her, I would say the same thing. Yeah, no. oh, I'd be like, sure. yeah, but I didn't say it that much because... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that desperate. Oh my God. Yeah, also, like that guy, I found out he's awful now. So I didn't love him. Yeah. So to be clear, like I do not blame Nicole in any way. No. How old was she again? Oh, I don't remember. She yeah. was like young 20s though, right? Yeah, she was. Also, like, why would she suspect anything like this? Some people really do try to blame her, though. And to be clear, those people are the worst. Yeah. She didn't do this. You looking for a lady to blame for something? Also, she's going to become a VIP very soon. Nicole? Oh, yes. That's true. She is. Mm -hmm. You're right. So the month following her trip is a very fraught time for Shanann and Chris. So when she gets back from North Carolina, that that next month is, like, tough. Mm Mm-hmm. She was frequently depressed. The two weren't having sex, and she texts her friends frequently, telling them how rejected she feels. She's like a bunch of them, like, I just got out of the shower. I'm going to, like, hang out naked and hope he has sex with me. Then, like, an hour later, she'll be like, he did not have sex with me. Shanann was sure that there was another woman, but she wanted to work things out. So on the weekend of August 13th, which is, you know, we're kind of coming back full circle, 2018, Shanann went on a business trip with her Thrive Squad to Arizona. Now, this is going to be one of those conferences like Leslie explained. She went somewhere to go get hyped up about patches. Mm -hmm. And Chris took this time, of course, to see his girlfriend. But he had the kids at this point. Like, they weren't in North Carolina with somebody else. They were at home. So he told the sitter, uh, he told Shanann and a babysitter, he called and hired a babysitter, that he wanted to go to a Rockies game alone that night. But then when he went out, he used their joint bank account card to pay for dinner between him and Nicole instead. Mm. And Shanann saw this transaction, because I guess she was monitoring his bank account. Of course. Yep. And she looked up, now this is is a lot, she looked up the, the name of the place where they went to dinner and then downloaded their menu online 
and saw how much entrees were. The bill was $60. She's like, okay, well, if he ordered the most expensive item on the menu, it would have been $21 or something. And if you ordered a beer or two, that would have come to 30. Who the fuck was he eating with? I do like it, though. I know. I was like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, you absolutely – if you think your spouse or whoever mm-hmm. is cheating on you, like, you're going to you're become – You're going to get in there. Yeah, you're going to become a certified detective. <laughs> and-, <laughs> and she did, yeah, dude. <laughs> Woo! Shania knew something was going on and spent her time in Arizona miserable and not hyped up. She returned on August 13th, and her friend and neighbor dropped her off at her home at 1.48 a.m., and we're back to where we began. So what happened in those missing hours, and where are Shanann, Bella, and Cece? Let's find out in the next section that I like to call Chris Watts Folds Like a Lawn Chair. <laughs> I'm sure there are a lot of things Chris anticipated happening after he did what he did, but one of them certainly was not his girlfriend Nicole going to the police of her own accord. <laughs> but that's just what she did. In the day that followed Shanann and the girl's disappearance, Nicole had seen her boyfriend on the news. He had told her himself that there were cops around his house, and apparently Shanann and the girls were missing, but he provided little detail and was clearly shady about the whole thing. What Chris also did not anticipate was Nicole seeing the news. And the news reported that Chris and Shanann were not at all divorced, and that Shanann was pregnant. With that little bit of information, Nicole was slowly figuring out that she had been lied to. A lot. She went into the police station and voluntarily told him about her relationship with Chris, admitting that she was worried about his wife and children and wanting to see them found. During the interview, Nicole is at first pretty low-key, saying that Chris had seemed like a good guy to her. They had a normal, communicative relationship. He treated her very well. She knew he had children, but thought that he and Shanann were in the process of a divorce. She hadn't met the children yet, but was looking forward to doing so, and she said she wanted to paint pottery with them. Aww. Yeah. As the interview <laughs> made me cry. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> Leslie! Any pottery? <laughs> As the interview presses on, though, Nicole begins to unravel, realizing that he was not, in fact, a good guy. And by the time the interview is done, she is staunchly anti-Chris. Yes. So I think one of her last statements is like, "That guy's an asshole." Like, she, yeah, she, she, I know she like is so angry. I think during the hour, it like in real time in front of the police, she realizes what happened to her. Right. And so she goes from being like, I I know I was with this guy. Like, it's weird. I can't believe he was still married and his wife was pregnant. And then he told me all these things and he was in the basement when he called me and he lied to me. And she, like, just yeah. purges I know. I think she even says, like, I, this was just so smart of her to be able to come out of was he told me this one lie. Like, he didn't tell me that she was pregnant. And he yeah. told me that they were separated, but clearly they're not yet. And yeah. If he said that to me, what else is he lying about? I think her brain connects dots while she's sitting there talking the poli- yeah. to the police, which is scary. But, I mean, after this ace in the hole, the police decide it's time for Chris to take a polygraph, as he is not admitting to any involvement when it comes to the disappearances. But the police are smart and absolutely on to him. The polygraph is glorious. <laughs> you are so right. Right. <laughs> I did love this woman. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. She gives the performance of a lifetime. Yep. The woman who gives Chris his polygraph, I think, is most likely a forensic psychologist, as she is involved in the interview afterwards and is a fucking gem. She like opens up this whole experience by telling him, like, well, you wouldn't be here if you planned on lying, right? So there's nothing to worry about. You wouldn't come voluntarily to a polygraph 
If you were going to lie. <laughs> that would be dumb. And you're not dumb, are you, Chris? I know you're not dumb. All the while, she's like, you dumb. Oh, yeah, she knows. Oh, my God. You wouldn't come here if you knew you were going to fail. Spoiler alert, he did fail. <laughs> so, again, while they have the whole polygraph on video and he is, like, shitting himself. He's Wait, my so favorite thing, I don't know if you say this, but my favorite thing that she says mm-hmm. is uh, before we start, there's only one person in the room that knows yes. the truth, and that's you. But after we do this polygraph test, there's going to be two people in the room, and that's me and you. <laughs> and then I after love- that, I'm going to walk out of this room, and a whole bunch of police officers are also going to know the truth. <laughs> I love that she follows up the me and you with, and that's what's cool. Yeah, that's cool, oh, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she is such a glorious, frightening woman, and I love her. Yeah. I just want to be that woman when I grow up. <laughs> so, yeah, we love that lady. <laughs> the polygraph tech or forensic psychologist, this woman we love desperately, asks him numerous times also to control his breathing. She's like, You have to breathe like a human, which is not a good sign. And a very short time later, he is informed that they all know he lied the entire time about everything. So many obvious lies. And despite all of the psychologists and the officer in the room, like, despite all of this, there's now a detective in the room and the psychologist, and they could not be nicer. Yeah. They're saying awful things in the nicest way. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just... They're just heroes. I know. Well, they're trying to stay calm because they're trying to get him to open up so that he will – to feel like the worst isn't going to happen to him. When the woman that gives him the polygraph comes back in the room and, like, rubs his back and she's like, you all right, buddy? You all right? Yeah. I know. (gasps) I know. (laughs) Really, these people are amazing professionals and they deserve a thousand awards. Excellent policing in this case, guys. Truly, truly excellent. So they press Chris about what happened. They tell him they know he is being deceptive. They ask if there was somebody else, which he eventually admits there was, and they get to say, we know, mm-hmm. <laughs> which must have been like a fucking amazing moment. Plot twist, dummy. We have your girlfriend in the other room. <laughs> and here is Chris beginning to collapse. The psychologist could suggest that maybe Shanann hurt the children. Did mm-hmm. she do something? She said she's trying to like lead any information out of. And Chris latches onto that really fast saying, um, I can't protect her anymore. And then he mumbles for a while and cries and asks for his dad. Mm-hmm. Always a good sign. And that's the only time that he cries, I think. It's like that part of the confession. When he asks for his dad to come in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. he's really upset then. And he remains really upset for a little while. But nobody should mistake this for grief because it is clearly old-fashioned fear. Mm-hmm. So they let Chris's dad come in, this poor guy. Um, and Chris tells him he's like holding his dad's like holding his hand and patting his back. He t- and Chris comes out with this story to his dad. And he says, on the night that Shanann returned from her vacation, the two of them had an argument. Initially, he denies that the two had sex, but soon he changes his tune about that because you can prove that. So they had sex, and then he realizes that he was wrong to have done that, and he didn't want to be with her. So he tells her as much. And Shanann loses her mind, screaming that she would never let him see his kids again if he went through with this divorce. And then they apparently go to sleep, and there are some recountings where he says they they were asleep in the bed together, which is nuts. Mm -hmm. And then there are some where he says he fell asleep alone, also nuts. But either way, they go to sleep. And then Chris wakes up to the sounds 
to noises from the children's room where he discovers Shanann smothering the girls. By the time he gets to the girls, they are dead. And um, she said to him that if they couldn't be married, he would take his kids away. She would take his kids away from him, which made Chris fly into a rage. He then strangled Shanann until she was dead. Not knowing what to do, he says he took the bodies out to the oil fields where he worked. He then buried Shanann in a shallow grave and shoved his beautiful baby girls into giant oil tanks, recalling seeing their blonde curls slide under the oil. Ugh. Yep. Close. That's close. But not correct. No, because if that's how it happened, you would have called the police. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you would have. The detective and psychologist are absolutely not buying it, but... They act sympathetic. They come in after he tells his dad. His poor dad is destroyed. Mm-hmm. His dad is like, I can't believe this happened to you. You poor thing. He's like, he's lost his grandkids. He feels like his son was put in this horrible position. I feel awful for his dad, I really. Know. So the detective and the psychologist ask Chris, where, where are the bodies? They want to be able to find the bodies. And at first he says, I don't want you to find the bodies. And they were like, do you want someone else to stumble across them? Is that how you want this to work? Because that's worse. They're like, tell us where they are so we can get them out. And eventually he relents and tells them. Um, And then the cop, like, leans in and the psychologist leans in. And after he's told them this, they say, are you sure you want to go to the press with this information? Is this how you want Shanann to be portrayed? Is this how you want it to go down? You want the whole world to believe Shanann murdered those children. That's what you want to say. And they keep pressing that. And he says, yeah, I, that's, how, that's what I want. Like, he doesn't relent after this. So the cop pushes further and says, he says that he doesn't believe that's what happened. And the cop says he believes that evidence will back him up. He says what he thinks happened is that Chris wanted a new life with his mistress. And the only way for him to get that free of complications was to completely destroy his old life. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Shanann, Bella, and Celeste, or who they called Cece, their bodies were uncovered in the locations Chris said they would be found shortly after this first confession. Eventually, in a plea exchange for his life, Chris admits that the police were correct and tells them what actually happened on that night. Shanann returned home at 1.48 a.m. She came into the bedroom and approached Chris very sweetly, and the two ended up having sex. After that, Chris told Shanann that he was wrong to have done that, and that, as he had said before, they were no longer compatible. Shanann went in and told him that she knew he was having an affair. She told him about the receipts. She knew that he wasn't at a Rockies game a few nights ago. She knew he was at dinner with someone else. She wanted him to tell her who it was, but he wouldn't admit to it. Chris says that at that moment, he went into a blind rage and strangled her, but... Evidence showed no sign of defensive wounds on Shanann, which would suggest that she first went to sleep. Chris was strong at this point, as we discussed, but you do need both hands to strangle a person, and this would leave Shanann's hands free. There were no ligature marks on them. If she had been conscious, she would have been tearing him up. She would have been fighting back. Chris also had no wounds from the incident. Mm. So that says to me and to a lot of the police that she, they had gone to sleep. And once she was unconscious, he strangled her. Mm. There are also some reports where he was like Googling Oxycontin to try and give to her, but there, I don't have any toxicology reports that say it was in her system. Okay. That's just something that's out in the world, so why not recognize it? 
In a horrifying letter that Chris later composed to a reporter, he claimed to know that Shanann was dead when her eyes filled with blood and she relieved herself on the bed. Mm -hmm. Ew. Yeah, when oh, you strangle someone, sometimes horrible. your eyes will hemorrhage. Oh, so yeah. That's a thing. Mm -hmm. Immediately after she passed, their oldest daughter, Bella, walked into the room, asking what was wrong with her mother. Chris said mommy was sick and then loaded Shanann up into his truck put the girls into the back seat, and drove to the oil field. First, he buried Shanann in a shallow grave, and then smothered the girls in the back of the car with their blankie. After they were dead, and some sources claim that there is question as to whether they actually were dead or just unconscious, <laughs> Chris climbed up to the top of the two large oil tankers and shoved his baby's limp bodies through the hatches at the top. Then he went to work as usual. He says the last thing he remembers was Bella saying, Daddy, no. She knew what was happening and tried to fight, but it was never going to work. Bella did have defensive wounds, and she was the only one. Chris would later claim that when he killed his family, all he could think of was starting over again with Nicole, and that he felt no remorse at that point in time. Fucking hate him. Chris pleaded guilty to the murders on November 6th, the death penalty was not put forward by the district attorney on the request of Shanann's family, who did not wish for anyone else to die in this event. Wow. I know. That's the part that makes me like, <sighs> they said they didn't want to be responsible for taking anyone's life. Wow. I know. Oh, tears are coming. I know. <laughs> they were supportive of the decision to accept the plea deal. On November 19th, Chris was sentenced to five life sentences, three consecutive and two concurrent, without the possibility of parole. He received an additional 48 years for the unlawful termination of Shanann's pregnancy and 36 years for three charges of tampering with the deceased body. After this, he had his $5 million bail revoked and was immediately remanded to custody. On December 3rd, 2018, Chris Watts was moved to an out-of-state location due to security concerns. On December 5th, 2018, he arrived at the Dodge Correctional Institution, a maximum security prison in Wathan, Wisconsin, to continue serving his life sentences. But like all shitty, arrogant murderers, Chris couldn't possibly be quiet in prison, not with all this attention to be gained. In later interviews, he would go on to claim that the patches Shanann made him wear were what drove him into an altered state and ultimately a homicidal rage. He said they gave him the drive to work out nonstop, but he barely slept. In fact, this is the position of the Lifetime movie about the Watts family murders, which is why I couldn't watch all of it. But Leslie, why don't you tell us a little bit about what these patches actually are and how possible that statement actually could be? Okay, so this is directly from the Thrive site. Thrive Premium Lifestyle DFT is a technology-driven breakthrough in health, wellness, weight management, and nutritional support. Levels DFT which stands for Derma Fusion Technology, delivery system is a category creator, the first of its kind, and now with Fusion 2.0 technology, DFT has reached even greater heights. Our DFT delivery system has designed to infuse the derma skin with our unique premium grade Thrive lifestyle formula, different than the capsule and shake formula, and to result in a delivery rate benefiting the individual over an extended period of time. Simply put, DFT helps you achieve premium results for a premium lifestyle. With Fusion 2.0 designed to provide greater bioavailability absorption and nutritional support, your results with DFT 2.0 should only get better. 
when taken as part of the Thrive 8-week experience in conjunction with Thrive Premium Lifestyle Capsules and the Thrive Premium Lifestyle Shake Mix, DFT promotes clean and healthy weight management and an overall healthy lifestyle. Individuals following this plan will experience ultra-premium results with benefits such as improved health, wellness, and fitness, as well as weight management and nutritional support. That's a lot of word salad. Designed to make you believe. It's like the same sentence over and over. Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) Oof. That's a lot. (laughs) Also, mind you, in order to get these results, Mm -hmm. you need to work out and eat well. Right, which would have done it without these patches and would have been a lot cheaper. Yep. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Okay. So, Thrive, I'm going to go through all the ingredients of them and what they mean and. Yeah, and then we could talk about it a little bit. Thrive is a transdermal patch like a nicotine patch, so it's not like out of the realm of possibility that a patch could work for something. Ingredients include Forslene, which aids in weight loss. Isn't that a made-up name? It's like a it's like the name of it's like okay. a name that they made, but um it stands for like Forzel, like I some okay. other some other word. Um A small clinical trial was done, and it showed that obese men struggling with weight loss did lose body fat, but it had no effect on women. Other trials have been conducted and showed no difference in men, too, though. Uh, The patch also includes green green coffee bean extract, which is a carbohydrate blocker, uh, and that also has, like, some um, energy, but it's mostly just for carbohydrate. Give me some green coffee beans. Garcinia Cambogia, which is like <laughs> always That's like the a huge. super thing. Yeah. Uh, this has tons of claims of reducing body fat, but the clinical trials don't really hold up. Then there's a coenzyme Q10. This is a vitamin-like substance that is found naturally in the body, in the heart, liver, kidneys, and pancreas. You would only need coenzyme Q10 supplement if you uh it would really only be necessary if you were suffering from a deficiency of it okay um it's possibly effective for reducing heart failure migraines fibromyalgia and possibly even increase the immune system uh for people with hiv and aids so not weight loss (laughs) however results are in inconclusive if it really does help with these issues and when they have helped it was taken orally and not through the skin okay um, yeah, so that's where, cause some people are like, I just feel, I don't get my migraines and like, you know, if they have yeah, fibromyalgia, yeah. I'm like feeling better, things like that. It could be because of this, but also if you don't have like a heart issue or if you have enough of this, why are you taking it? You shouldn't it? be taking it. You shouldn't it. be taking it. Absolutely. More. Um, white willow bark is also in it. This is where aspirin comes from. Oh, I knew and that. this might be the reason why people are pain free. Cause they're taking a pain, like You're an analgesic type pain. thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is very deceptive. Yeah. Um, cosmo, cosmoparin, yeah. Uh, chemically known as tetrahydropiperin, is an active ingredient in black pepper and long peppers and is usually added to products to help with skin penetration of the active compound. So, so that's, this looks like that's just in there to, okay. yeah, to help drive it in. Oh, the aspirin thing is interesting. No wonder your back doesn't hurt anymore. You have like a pain patch on. I know. I know. Come on. All right, so in quotes, thrive by level is something that's hard to explain and challenging to describe. It's Uh something that can only be experienced. That's what they say on their site. Oh, delightful. It is a challenge to describe the science behind the product since there is none. (laughs) Anecdotes are really all they have to vouch for seemingly overpriced vitamin infused with caffeine. 
So um, I tried to find anytime I researched how the patch defense for Chris could work. Some people mm-hmm. were, they just kept mentioning like, it's just so much caffeine and it changed his, yeah, like he, his mood changed. And um, one of the things that I did hear from people, which I don't know that he was experiencing because it seemed like he was using the patches up until this point. Yeah. Um, is a lot of people had, they would go through withdrawals when they were getting off of Thrive products. It's a lot of caffeine. It's yeah. a lot of caffeine. And um, this one woman and her husband talked about uh, that they had to stop the patches because it was too much caffeine for to them. It was like heart. too much. Yeah. And so they had to get off of that. But then they couldn't get completely off of the multivitamins and the other other like shakes mm-hmm. and things. They had to actually just keep wow keep downing the dosage so that they didn't feel like horrible withdrawal effects but that they felt very distant and their mood changed changed and other things so i don't know i i just i i don't believe that that's what was happening right. i don't think that these patches are super great no their other products aren't even super great uh their multivitamins are super overpriced when you can get a more full amount of multivitamins from like just a regular store like wow. you save a lot of money um their patches are like you know it's everything that's in them all the clinical trials have been inconclusive whether these items will work and if you're being told to wear them and also work out and eat healthy and that's how you'll get the results of course that's what you're going of to course. get and if you're not doing all three of those things or the latter two, then <laughs> yep. you're not going to see results. Um, so, so there, there is no science behind them pu- pushing him into a murderous rage. No, right. No. I mean, I've been in caffeine withdrawal. I had, I'm a heavy, heavy caffeine drinker, and I've had two kids, and you can't have caffeine when you're pregnant. So when I stopped drinking coffee when I was pregnant with Violet, I had. I want to say two solid weeks of awful headaches. Mm-hmm. Terrible. My head would pound, be a little moody. I also quit smoking in my life. So I know what it's like to get off of something. And as testy as nicotine withdrawal makes you, you're not going to murder people. No. Also, I mean, he, he seemed to be in a fine mood when he was with Nicole. Correct. So I don't I don't believe this at all. I do think that there could have been negative effects of this patch, but right. you would have seen those changes. Like right. that would have been something he would have been concerned and about. Like, oh, I'm feeling weird. Would have been like physiological mm-hmm. in some ways too, not just like, oh, I'm angry. Yeah. <laughs> like, there are, um, I guess there are texts of when he did start using the patches, especially because the one he was doing was like a duo patch. Because he did two, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think those did have like a higher level of vitamin B, which does give you like some energy. And I do think he had some text exchanges with Shanann mm-hmm. that said, like, I have so much energy, like, I just cleaned the whole house, and now I'm going to go do this and do that. But that's, like, an energy. And even if you, like, downgrade from that, it's not going to cause you to strangle your wife. <laughs> there you have it. So. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, bud. We don't buy that one. I still can't believe that's that he went to that. Like, it was the patches. Yeah. Okay. Chris has also gone on to give quite a few prison interviews and take on a number of female pen pals. 
all of whom probably have a fun obsession called hybristophilia. And that is a sexual attraction to rapists and murderers. It's a pretty specific paraphilia and frighteningly common. Ted Bundy had an actual harem of women right. who wrote to him. They want to save them or they're interested in them. I don't know, but it happens. Mm-hmm. At any rate, he is a popular guy in prison. His parents still visit him, and he seems to rather enjoy all the attention he's given. But I'd like to go down as saying this. I think Chris Watts is a fucking disgusting monster, and I hope he's ass-raped with razor blades in prison every afternoon at one. Want to look like a snack, buddy? I hope giant murderers have made you their bitch. The more, the merrier. Yes. Yeah. I like that. That's how I, uh... I want to end Chris Watts. Oh, <laughs> man, oh, man. Um, I guess I'd like to just say one thing. Yeah, um, go for it. Because I do ha- I have a lot of friends, and I'm sure some of our listeners do uh, multi-level marketing yes. companies. So I just want to point out that I would never judge you for doing them. No. I'm only here if you ever want to talk about them and discuss them further or learn about certain companies. I can. I'm always here to educate, and I would implore – each and every one of you that either before joining one to do your research and find like, you know, find the for and against of mm-hmm. everything. And if you are already in one and you're not sure how much it's helping you financially, really sit down and actually look at what you are spending and what you are receiving and how much time and energy you're putting into it. Because one of the things that I learned very quickly was the amount of energy that I put into trying to make an MLM work. Yeah. I decided, hey, I could just do this for my own business. And I started and something. And it is a lot of time, but I get a lot more reward for it. So good things came for you mm-hmm. from that journey. It did, yeah. And, it you know, that's not always true for everything. But right. um, it just – it. it yeah, just sit down and look at it. And if it's working, then awesome. Yeah. But if you see that you're actually losing money, get out while you can. That is very good advice. Yeah. And and it's coming from a very genuine place. Yes. And I will always be here to listen and not judge. <laughs> Absolutely. We don't want to see you in anything that's going to take your money or your sanity or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, toast. Yes. Um, first of all, neighbor Nicole. Neighbor Nicole. Oh, she is a dream. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I wish I had the name of the woman who gave that polygraph. I know. How did I? Let me see if I can find I don't it. know that her name popped up on there. I don't think it did. Uh, I would also like to toast, um, Nicole, uh, the girl, the other Nicole, for coming the forward. girlfriend the girlfriend yeah for coming forward she's in witness protection right now too oh wow yeah the cops like look, gave her a whole new identity and she moved away to start a new life that's great which good yeah I think I might have found her name hold on I really want to give her credit she was so great oh here it is her name's Tammy Lee Tammy Lee that's all we got Tammy Lee yeah. I love you Tammy Lee <laughs> <laughs> we love you Tammy Lee both Nicoles for sure yeah. Shanann and her beautiful girls, Bella and Cece. Mm-hmm. And um, any members of their family that are still suffering, because I don't think that the only victims of this are Shanann's family. I think Chris's family is suffering. The, the Watsons Absolutely. are suffering yeah. from this, too. They didn't sign up for this. They didn't know their son was going to be a useless dirtbag. And they probably don't think that, and that's okay. Right. You, you, you can't let your brain think certain things. Some things are just too damaging. Yes. And I get that. 
So if his dad and mom go on TV and they have a sob story for him, I don't blame them for that. No. Not even a little. I think, uh, do we have anyone else to toast this week? No. I didn't look. Mm-mm. All right, well. And if we were to trust the life we had worked so hard to create for ourselves would stay secure no matter what, we would be, be dead. dead. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Would Be Dead Pod. And join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. Well, you wouldn't be here if you planned on lying, right? there's nothing to worry about. You wouldn't come voluntarily to a polygraph if you were going to lie. That would be dumb, and you're not dumb, are you, Chris? I know you're not dumb. You wouldn't come here if you knew you were going to fail. You all right, buddy? You all right? Plot twist, dummy! We have your girlfriend in the other room! And that's what's cool. Fucking hate him.